Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the love that comes with. We're your hosts. I'm P.S. McKay. Now more video conscious than ever since we're now multi-streaming this. And I'm As... Cav, man, and I'll go ahead and cover up what I'm drinking unless we start getting <laughs> advertising. You know when your cue is. You know when your cue is, and yet you were in mid-drink? <laughs> of course, yes, because that is actually part of my presentation, and you know Oh my it. god. Yes, that and dead air. <laughs> Not dead air. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> All right, DC, how you doing? I am well. Coming off the long weekend? Yes. Good. Took, took advantage of it because I'd been working like a dog lately. Mm, civilian transition. Dude, I'm used to working like a dog. But, uh, you know, I <laughs> didn't think I was going to dive right back into it. I kind of thought I was putting those <laughs> days behind me. <laughs> I I mean I I would have no idea what your expectations were and I was never going to be so sanctimonious as to try to explain to you because I still I still don't know I mean as much as I come off as knowing what I do I don't know shit so <laughs> I just thought I would be spending a little bit more time in an office uh, uh... That's that being okay. Said, there, there's some pluses work. and minuses to it. I mean, I've done plenty of being out on the, in the field, but um, I'm also my the wear and tear on my body is a little bit different than a lot of the other people who work with me. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it a lot of heavy lifting, or or like getting up and down? Not often. Okay. But a lot of moving around, a lot of driving around, a lot of, yeah, you know, mm. squinting uh, in the darkness at at trucks. <laughs> I forget, yeah, yeah, I forget that it's really dark there for right now. <laughs> when when sunrise is it like seven thirty or? Well, to me, it's after I've. After you've been up for five hours? No, not usually. Only if I do the opening. If I do a closing, then I'm up probably right around the time the sun is. Maybe about 6.30-ish. Mm-hmm. 6.00, Okay. Uh, anyway, enough about that. I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> Just because... I know I'll, that feeling, too. I'll be at work again tomorrow, so... Yeah, Same. Same. Although, for me, let me just, just go down this road real fast. If you mention that you're working from home, I will reach through this screen and slap the dog shit out of you. Just so you know. So I work from home. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just going to say this. Um before I, I transitioned, when I got when I, when everything happened, that the 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 thing that we shall not ma- uh, mention, 
um, and I had to start working from home. I had to like set up a makeshift station with a folding table, and I had a, a dining room chair, and like it was all just makeshift, real quick. And we were gonna be there for like three weeks, right? Are you falling asleep on me? This is no, BS. I'm just I, my eyes are just rolling that far back that it's moving my neck. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I can't my do point. my job from home. No, I know you can't. What I'm saying was it was a really like at at first it was like working from home. I couldn't get away from work even when I was off the clock cuz exactly. I I'd be done, I'd turn off my computer and it would all just be staring right at me. These were not my monitors. This was not my computer. It was taking up all this space. And it was just a I liked working from home. I love it now. But then it was just this craw in the back of my neck where I'm like, I can't get away from you. Like, <laughs> I need to get away from you. So Look, when you're a leader in the U.S. military, it follows you no matter where you are. Oh, sure. I've had texts and phone calls in the middle of the night at all sorts of hours, holidays, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you know. I've kind of gotten used to it, but it doesn't mean that's what I was looking for when I got out. In fact, those were things I was actively trying to avoid. Because my give a shit now only goes so far. The government has bled my near inexhaustible reserves of, of giving a shit. But right now, sometimes I just remind people I left my give a shit in my other pants. Well, I do appreciate that you expelled and used up all of your give-a-shit reserves in defense of our country. Well, yes. Um, I, I generally <laughs> I have a small reserve of that, and I literally have three fucks I give all year. <laughs> oh, That's at least that replenishes. No. Well, it rolls. It doesn't roll over, though. It doesn't roll so, over, but... So if I only use two... <laughs> Next year, it's, it's like your old cell phones from like the early 2000s. Oh my god, the yeah. don't roll over. Neither do your fucks. <laughs> and it's like what they started doing with our leave time. Oh, it doesn't roll over anymore. Oh. What? You won't let me go on leave now. Oh well, my god. Not like we can let you take six months off. Jesus. Uh, well, then yeah. pay you. Then, then pay you the leave. Did they pay you for that? Well, it is paid leave, man. You earn two and a half days of leave for every no. month. So at the no. end of the year, you should be up to 30 days of leave. Now, right. if now they start having a, a use or lose, if you did not use a certain amount of leave time in a, by the end of the fiscal year, you would start losing days, which is basically like losing pay because you can literally sell your days back. Right. Well, that's what I was asking. Would they cash you out on those days? If you if remember you take to them. do it, oh son of a bitch! Really, really, you had to, you had to take. They would the... just let it die. You'd think that there would be a system. It's like, <sighs> all right, well, he didn't take it, so, so then usually in like August and September, you'll have people go, "I've got five user lose days. I gotta take before, you know, the thirtieth of September." Now you're like <laughs> running into people right as the fiscal year is changing over, which has a lot of headaches in a lot of areas. Now you got people like taking random leave, and it's usually leaders who just. We're never given a chance to take time off. Right. But 
I am filled with an amazing amount of rage right now at that process. An amazing amount of rage. And you've already gone through it. <laughs> so you, you've dealt with it. I mean, it's reality coming on. Uh, Lisa, but I want still... you to remember me as you see me right now. Filled with murderous rage. <laughs> filled with murder. Which episode was that one? Oh, I think it was the Treehouse of Horror. Was one of it? Those little, or... you know, it wasn't one of those things where like they're it's the end of the world and like wasn't sh- it wasn't who shot Mr. Burns, right? No, no. No. <laughs> uh Mac Jr.'s what rewatching all of Futurama, by the way. Oh, that yeah. is good news. Yeah, um, we no. haven't we haven't let uh our little one into that one yet because in a lot of ways, it's more overtly sexual than. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Especially and, the and, later season. And they, they were on the episode where they talked about robot pregnancy and births and stuff with a vending machine or something like that. Do you remember yeah, that episode? That one was. Yeah, that one was kind of fucked up. I came, I came into the room with with my son showing this very episode to my wife. And she looks at me with this look of not quite rage, not quite disappointment, but oh, she gave you a, but the a, mix, the fuck a mixture of that with a whole lot of what the hell are you allowing my child to watch? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when 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 my wife and I decide that we can let our daughter start watching The Simpsons, sometimes you know you're like, oh yeah, this this was a good episode. I don't remember, and then. You forget that there's like one part that's kind of blue, and you're like, "She's like, are you sure you're comfortable with your daughter watching this?" I'm like, <laughs> "I didn't play it. It clicks." And now <laughs> you have no. this just as much power to turn the, to change the episode, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, but but I already had the talk with Mac Junior. So it wasn't About like where robot babies come from. That's exactly. Exactly. We have yeah. not had the direct conversation yet, but my better half working in the medical field has had to explain things mm-hmm. in general anyway, because she works with children. So, uh, okay. So there's, there's so she's primed and ready to at some talk point. about it. Yeah, she's got a syllabus, if you will, or yes. a script. <laughs> Needless to say, Futurama could call. Yeah, uh, well, it, I I did reassure her it was a very well written and smart show, and he'll get more out of it. <laughs> he'll get more out of that show than he will out of anything in his age bracket. So, usually, more good will come of it. So, all right. Speaking of good that will come of something, I will not be contributing very well to this episode, apparently. Well, been, I mean, I'm kind of carrying the load. <laughs> I've been ramshackled, hogtied, and handcuffed. Look, All right, DT, look, bring you us said into. You're going to leave your personal life out of this. <laughs> bring, bring us into what we're talking about. Well, last week we did a, a two-parter on some of our favorite lead captains uh, in sci-fi TV and movies. We also had a strong list of honorable mentions. Um, And this week, I think the natural follow-up is the great ships of sci-fi 
and TV and movies. Now, for the purpose of this, because it can go too long as it is, we're sticking with main, what you would call starships. Right. Now, you told me this when? Earlier. You gave me this caveat when? Well, I kind of thought that that's we were on the same page, but obviously... DT, we, we are not. never on the same page. We are never on the same page. We are like-minded, but we are never on the same freaking page. Okay? <laughs> well, look, just because you're playing checkers and I'm playing 3D chess doesn't You're mean... goddamn right! You're goddamn right! You're goddamn right! <laughs> so... I'm sorry that my idol is Darth Hoodie. Some bitch. Anyway, so we're going to be sticking with mainstream ships, yes. big ships, multi-crew multi, you know, multi crew member ships that need more than two. So shuttlecraft, <laughs> uh, starfighters will be a different list because we do have a lot of love for them and certain franchises really do use them a lot. Well, I think it's wise to. I'm thinking, at least at least three major franchises use okay. them as a main part. Here's what so. we do. We'll figure out how this episode goes. And if we feel satisfied with what we've talked about today. The next part will be fascinating ships. Or something more niche, because I've got some good We're ships that I really niche. wanted to talk about. But there's only one, maybe two ships from Star Trek that I'm actually referencing here. That is good. Now, there is something here that I have that is not technically a spaceship, but it travels through space and time. Uh, Well, we can get to that. But remember, we had also ruled out space stations, even moving ones like the Death Star. Nope, nope. Those deserve their own list. That's not on here. Like the mega, the mega, uh, the mega architecture ones, the mega builds. Yes. Okay. Those well, that beget other smaller vessels. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go with, I'm going to start off and then you can, we'll go every other round here. Sure. So I have a feeling I know which one you were referring to. The DeLorean. I was referring to the DeLorean. Not a ship. Not a ship, but it travels through space not, and time. Not a ship. I <laughs> thought you were going with the TARDIS. Oh, no, that's on here, too. Uh... <laughs> I will give you a good example of a time ship, if that's what you're looking for. Well, the TARDIS, I mean, technically has more than two people in it. Um, but, at least lately... I was willing to let the TARDIS go, not the DeLorean. You won't allow the DeLorean. It travels through space and time. It is a terrestrial object. Okay, I can guarantee you that Earth was in a different location on October 15th of 1985 than it was on November 3rd. You have to stop or shit, okay? (laughs) It is not a ship. We talked about ships. It is not a ship. It is a terrestrial vehicle. We've got something... We can do another video on that, because that way we can loop in things like Imperial Walkers and shit. But, no. Fine. Number one, the Defiant. 
Oh, yes. One of my all-time favorites. Mine, too. I like the idea that it's a warship. It makes sense. The entire idea that they decided to put families on the Enterprise D, even as a 10-year-old, perplexed me. Well, it was a terrible idea. You know, it was a horrible idea. It was just a downright awful idea. Uh, <laughs> and and bringing back the utilitarian, overpowered, under under uh, uh, armored, you know, little beast. And I wouldn't say under armored, but its its bones weren't as strong as its guns were. You know what I mean? It was basically O'Brien called it overpowered, you know, and Cisco yeah. even said it was, it was uh, why it was mothball was that it would practically shake itself apart. So of right. course they had to give it to O'Brien, who could make you know <laughs> a, a transporter out of rocks and a pair of you know and a pair of tweezers. Right. So, Miles O'Brien like... is seriously the MacGyver of the Star Trek universe. I mean, he's the greatest engineer that ever that ever came through. He Starfleet. is the most important he... <laughs> man in Starfleet history. Honestly, yes. Like he got all the he got all the uh you know what we're gonna do We will we, we need will. to talk about the engineers of Starfleet or the best engineers. That's that's gonna be one of my topics. Well we'll um, get to that. But and we'll get to that. So what I really liked about the, the, the Defiant was just so different than any other Starfleet ship that we had seen up to that point. It had pulse phasers, which was awesome. And, and honestly actually, more effective. Yeah, you know, I I never less, really less liked the, use. the the phaser beams. But. No, no, yeah, uh, less energy use. And actually, little fun fact: the first episode that we saw the Defiant and it fired, the sound effects people put the sound of a Gatling gun, uh, behind it, and then they never did it again. I don't know why, but anyway. Um, it was a it's ship a that was meant too, to fight the Borg. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. I said it's a shame. It was just a. That's a great sound effect. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a ship that was meant to fight the Borg. Uh, because Starfleet was running overtime and trying to figure out weaponry to 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 fight the Borg threat, which is interesting because I saw. I saw something online. I think it was with uh, Trek Rumor or Trek Nation, mm. where they were talking about how it was the Borg that influenced all the new designs that we saw later on in Star Trek. Uh, yeah, they were much more powerful. More, be more powerful, more sleek, more they narrow at the front back. end. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the the the, the neck of the uh, Constitution class was it was scrawny. You know, a couple of good blasts. Uh, it definitely proves why they redesigned it for the upgraded <laughs> um, sovereign class. No, I'm just talking about the Enterprise A, the refit. Oh yeah, you know, that's <laughs> thicker where and more on. forward, so it wasn't yeah. just uh, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't as much of a chicken neck. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Um, and every starship after that had. A thicker neck. Sometimes, you know, they, they just were merged like the hole and the secondary right. hole. Like that was the sovereign class and the yep. intrepid class, just kind of like faded into it. Mm-hmm. Um. So that being said, I was disappointed 
I was disappointed when they destroyed the Defiant. Um, it was it went out in a in the the way it should have in in battle, right? Um, yeah, but it did kind of go out <laughs> like a kind of like a bitch though. <laughs> a little bit, a little but bit. That added a whole degree of tension to the final episodes. They're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, this is the first first they abandoned Deep Space Nine for like a third of a season. Okay, and then yep. the ship blows up. Yep. Okay. That's the first time a capital like the V ship of the show was blown mm-hmm. up. And you know on, I, on the show. I think it was fascinating. It, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Now Raised it wasn't the stakes. It it was a big uh stakes razor, correct. Um what I did not like well, first of all, I really wished I could have seen more Defiant class ships during the the uh, Dominion War. We saw a couple, but we didn't see a lot. And I know we're not talking about fighters, and I'm just bringing up the the fact that those ships, the Maquis ships that they had, that acted as fighters, I didn't yeah. like. I didn't like well, that. They didn't feel two effective. Variants. Much like the Klingon Birds of Prey, there was a different variant, a much larger variant. Yeah. So basically. Starfleet just scaled down the, the <laughs> model to make them starfighters. Right, um, right. Like the bigger so, ones, like the Chakotay's Maquis was like a Condor class, and then the fighters were like Peregrine class, which were like two-man fighters. But this is all like, these are all like technical manual stuff. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't like it. those. But I wish I saw more okay. Defiant class. Yeah. Which it was a defiant class, right? It wasn't it was a defiant co- class. Okay. When they when they blew it up and then when the Sao Paulo arrives on Deep Space Nine and like They should have kept the Sao Paulo. Well, I think they should have had a different name. Sao Paulo's not intimidating at all. No <laughs> offense. <clears throat> no the offense vengeance. at all. But no well, I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't have the ring to it. Plus it's very human centric, you know. Well, each well each ship. Well, they didn't really follow this. The Navy does this, where each class has a theme, based off yes. of the based off of the 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 flag, not the flagship, but the the first of its class. Yeah. So and I like that. You know, I like it, that too. So, uh, you know, the you Los know, Angeles just... battle, uh, the Los Angeles submarine class. You got the Cincinnati. You got the Dakota. Or not the they're all stupid. they're all cities. they're all named after major U.S. cities. Yes. Yeah, I like that. And, and the <laughs> aircraft carriers are generally named after people. Right. Yep. With people a few of distinction. Well, well, there was the Enterprise, but she's gone. No, no, they have a new one. They they. Oh, that's right. They are making a new Enterprise. Yeah, under with the in the new. Well, I mean, it's just like Star Trek, man. There's always going to be an Enterprise. <laughs> We've had an Enterprise I mean, since since the uh, beginning of aircraft carriers. You're right. Well, the most decorated ship of World War II was the uh, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was basically, and 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 that's what that's what named that's what <laughs> named the renter car company and. These were ships, World War II ships, that Gene Roddenberry named 
the ships after. Yorktown was also a famous mm-hmm. aircraft carrier during World War II, and that was possible. That was considered one of the first, uh, the initial name. And I think it's good that they didn't do it because Enterprise, while it's more of an English name, because there's been an Enterprise in the <laughs> in the British Navy, but yep. it does give you a it's a sense of grandiosity. Well, it's also you could have an enterprise like the the thought of enterprise, like the thought of defiant, the thought of voyager. It's it doesn't sound so uh provincial. Like it doesn't show it's like Yorktown, it's very American. Sao Paulo, it's very human once you start mm-hmm. thinking about it. Of course, there were definitely many ships that were named after cities and towns on Earth and and whatnot, but I thought it was a good one, Defiant. It's another old English name of English ships. They always have names like that in the British Navy. Yeah. Well, Defiant is a great name because it stood defiant against the Borg. It stood defiant against the the Dominion. It stood it defiant against, against evil. It stood defiant against you know Starfleet we convention. shall not lose our way of life you know <laughs> we i liked it I, I i found it inspiring growing up um yeah. what i didn't and now you tell me this because my my uncle you know he he lives by the sea code he was never in the navy but <laughs> he lives by the sea code he lived in south county rhode island so you know the sea was prominent um, but he was always superstitious about ships' names and that you're never supposed to change a ship's name. Like, its first name is what it will always be until it sinks. And that was my first immediate thought when they decided to na- uh, rename the Sao Paulo the Defiant. I felt like, oh, they're fucking doomed. <laughs> like, so. Well, I mean... Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they also they also they also didn't do the typical convention of adding an A to the old registry number. No, you're right. They didn't. I think the only fine. the Enterprise could do that. Well, apparently the Voyager does too. Oh yeah, the there's Voyager like a J. Voyager like you know J, J and yeah, something like they that. They have conspicuously avoided the name Enterprise in the 31st century. <laughs> now, I'm not saying there isn't one, but they just have not named. They don't want to. Uh, they they don't want it to interfere with strange, uh, strange new worlds. Screw that! You got to name know. one. There's got to be an Enterprise, otherwise, it's not <laughs> they, Star Trek. They didn't want to name Sneakwa. What? what oh, shoot! What's her Sinequa name? Martin Green. Yeah, they didn't want to name Sneakwa Martin Green until she was off the show Evil Dead, because. They were afraid. CBS Walking literally Dead. thought Evil the Walking Dead would have been so much better. Oh yeah, it would have been better. The Walking Dead. They didn't want her. They didn't want to name her until she was off the Walking Dead show because they honestly felt that the public was too stupid to think, well, she's on this show, but she's eventually going to be on this show. That's fine. Like <laughs> they literally had to wait till she was gone, and then well, they. Made I'm the sure if someone, it was if a contractual was... thing. It was not a contractual thing. 
I just thought that it would have been essentially a spoiler for The Walking Dead if she was going to change to go into another show. That's another reasonable argument that I will accept, but I do not want to. Fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> we have to stop doing this. We got to get back to the ship. All uh, right. So I think we did. Uh, fine. Uh, by the way, I made my closing know, mark of you know that, Defiant. That where the that weird nose thing that they actually park into Deep Space Nine that has like the, the deflector the, dish. The deflector dish is actually technically a warhead. What? Yes. No. It's loaded with, with like photon torpedoes and it can be launched as a last ditch effort. Whoa. They never used it. It would have been awesome if they did it in first contact rather than the ramming speed thing. It's designed to be able to be replaced. It's in the technical manual and they actually did it in some of the um, now in the apocryphal books. When they the did the Deep Space books. when they did the Deep Space Nine relaunch. About 20 years ago, they did. They used that. It was pretty cool. I like that. I like. But that. apparently, it it's in like the specs that it was originally. That was an option it could have. It was like, like a, It's almost like it's a saucer separation only with balls. I like that. And they should. I mean, they had the perfect time to do it when when the Defiant was about to be destroyed. Did they not? It probably wouldn't have worked at that point if all the power was drained, but I think it would have been great to do in first contact when right. it was, you know, they could have launched that, you know, rather than the ramming speed thing. They still could have launched it and the Enterprise could still rescue them, but, you know, that's just my thought. Yeah, and they're not paying you, so. Right. But, all right, so we saw the Defiant, we saw its successor, we saw the Valiant. In that episode, we Mm -hmm. saw... Star Trek Prodigy, right? No, The Valiant was the episode of Deep Space Nine. I know, I know. I'm just (laughs) low dig here, you know. (laughs) They had a couple in the Prometheus episode. uh, Was it Message in a Bottle? Voyager? With the Prometheus? When the Doctor gets sent to the Starfleet ship that's hijacked by the Romulans? Yep. Some bullshit with Andy Dick to save the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. There were two that was chasing it. That's right. Yep. And I think there might have been a couple in Endgame, but you'd figure it wouldn't. You know, you could just duplicate. I mean, you duplicated a shitload of bullshit Miranda class ships. You know, in all these fight scenes during the Dominion <laughs> War, why weren't there at least a couple of, you know, Defiant? Right. Somewhere in well, these massive the, fleets. The copy paste clone tool wasn't as wasn't as easy to use <laughs> in 1990. Apparently they did. All they was used was freaking Galaxy class, Excelsior <laughs> class, and and uh, Miranda class in most of the early major battle scenes. The occasional Akira. I mean, they didn't use so many. You, sh- you should have tossed in, uh, you know. A sovereign class or something in the background, just to mess it up a little bit, rather than us using hundred-year-old starships <laughs> to fight a more advanced enemy. Oh my God, you're not wrong. I'll play devil's advocate and say that they were still doing live shots of all those ships, and they could clone them after they did the the live shots, the tracking shots. 
But remember, each tracking shot, they, it took six passes. And then they, they merged all those images together. Yeah, they still had computer technology at the time. But that being said, I think we need to go on and move on to another starship. All right. Your turn. All right. I had one. There's a couple of ships that I think are borderline now that I've said things. Um, you know, one, one of course, would be one of the most iconic ships in, in, uh, in sci-fi history is the Millennium Falcon. Mm. You know, but as we've seen, it's kind of borderline. Like, it helped lead the fighter attack in the second Death Star. Um, it only requires two people to fly it. Right, so I think we're going to go ahead <laughs> and I will voluntarily put most of these smaller Star Wars ships, which are really good, into the auxiliary craft and starfighter category. Mm. I think that's fair. That being said, one that I will not move into that is the Serenity. From Firefly. I, I, that's a strong pick. Uh, I thought about it. It's um, just, it's 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 got no power. You know, it's got well, no weapons. That's my question. It's, what makes it special? Because we're talking about some of the more influential ships. Uh, the the only thing that influential makes influential because uh, it was it was a symbol of their freedom from their tyranny. That's what Mal Reynolds and his crew thought they could just get. Kind of looked like a horse. It did, and uh, it was a Firefly class. I guess in some ways it looks partially like a Firefly. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I always thought it kind of looked more like a horse shape, but mm-hmm. there was something elegant about it, you know, kind of the, the lines. I thought it was pretty, but it was not only was it their ship, but it was their home. It was their symbol of resisting you know the the conventions of the time and it was it, it actually it it was influential in uncovering massive conspiracy they yeah. they, they told in, you know in the they, movie serenity they blew the doors off of the alliances you know creation of the reavers Mm-hmm. of the attempts to perfect humanity. I oh. mean, it really did change the, everything, it, or you know. Well, the, yes. broadcast it all over the place. You don't see it, but it had to have changed everything. Yeah. Um <laughs> True. And you're right. Is it is it powerful? No. Is it <laughs> Literally, the last shot we saw was them taking off, and a piece of their ship fell off and hit the camera. <laughs> right? Is it powerful? No, but it is influential. It was a very important ship. Yep. Uh, that's covered... what held me back. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know what would qualify it as being important because it was underpowered. It didn't have any weapons. By the way, think about that. That's like the first spaceship we've seen. Actually, it's not. It's the first spaceship that I had seen regularly as the center ship that didn't have any offensive weapons. But there's another show which we could talk about um, 
which which didn't have offensive weapons either. Well, was it was it about lost in space? Didn't did the whatever Jupiter two not have weapons? I didn't think about the Jupiter two. I don't know if the Jupiter two had weapons. I don't think it did. Maybe not in the original. I know they've had a couple of reboots, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I like I like the Serenity. It was. You know, it's funny because um, I felt that they kind of recreated the Serenity sets um, in the big plane and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, again, that was Jed Whedon, Joss's yeah, brother. I know. <laughs> so when I saw the pilot, I'm like, oh, that looks like the Serenity cargo area. That looks like how they're going off to the ca- uh, the, the crew's cabins. I thought it was interesting. I did like the bus, and it broke my heart when the bus was destroyed. I did like Zephyr 1. That yeah. actually technically might qualify for this list, actually, the Zephyr 1. <laughs> yeah, when they, technically, when they, yeah. When they converted it to a spaceship. They <laughs> did. Last Quite season. easily. <laughs> Quite easily, too. <laughs> well, I mean, they probably had tons of Chitari shit lying around. It was S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Oh, but man. I, and I, I will say this about Serenity before we move on. Yeah, you can kind of feel how, even though it wasn't much to look at, it didn't have any weapons, it wasn't super fast. Why a guy like Malcolm Reynolds would look at that and see freedom. And it was their home. It was all their home. Mm-hmm. You know, they re, they made it to... How they wanted it. Well, you know, that's that's the fun part. They literally were riding their horse out west to, to yeah. get freedom. And that I mean, that is what the Western is, right? These these men and and women of a certain attitude would come out. It, well, there were, there were like a lot of let's be, let's be clear. Of they would just be pioneers and what was Big. What was one of their biggest things is they wanted to start over, make a new life for themselves, and they didn't want anyone telling them what to do. Yeah, Confederates in space. We know. Well, I wasn't talking about the Confederate aspect. I but mean, that that is a big thing. A lot of them moved west after the war because they felt their. I didn't even realize life. that actually. It was really? actually one of Joss Whedon's pr- premises. What would thing was like. I think he had read a, uh, a biography of some Confederate general or whatever, and was like, "Yeah, you know, what if, you know, what if something like this was in space? You know, so it's like the Empire was kind of like Nazis in space. Well, you know, the and the Alliance does kind of seem like the Alliance Nazis. was the Alliance was the United States forcing <laughs> forcing the colonies to give up their slaves, like." Look, uh, I get it's you an know, imperfect. It's an imperfect allegory. I get where he's going with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, unless unless Joss Whedon hates the American government. No, just women. Mm-hmm. No, the problem is he loves women too much. Well, still. he doesn't respect them. Yeah, it's not a whole <laughs> lot different, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's 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 splitting hairs. Yeah. Um, so we're, we are pro the serenity, not just Sweden's behavior. This is just as a clarification. Please take that 
totally seriously. We we do not support anything that Joss Whedon has acted upon in any way. Yes. That, so, Serenity, Defiant, two good ones. All right. What's your next one, big dog? All right. So this is, I'm going <laughs> to... All right, this one can apply to two ships. I'm going to talk about the one that I initially thought of and the one that I thought would be fun to, to discuss. Well, fun to just put as an aside. Already mentioned the name Prometheus, but from Stargate SG-1. Mm. Well, there's been a lot of Prometheus out there. Wasn't that the... Wasn't that the in the prequel to Aliens, the Prometheus? Wasn't that a ship? It was. Correct, yeah. <clears throat> um... And basically based off of the, the Greek god who gave fire to humans. And yep. he was forever punished because of it. Because he Zeus didn't want humans to advance. Um, right. Anyway, so, the Prometheus in Stargate SG-1 uh, came about in season five or six. Um, the whole basis of... So the whole purpose of the Stargate program in the show was to get more alien technology to defend against the Gould. All right. Mm -hmm. And they came across, Oh, it was season six. Yeah. Um, so they came across, uh, you know, they were using this advanced energy material called Naquita, which powered the Stargates and was the basis of the power systems for the, the bad guys. They came across a supercharged power source called Naquadria on a human colony that was forgotten by the Gould. Um, mm. And they were able to, to negotiate to get some, and they were able to use that power source to create a spaceship using a combination of Asgard technology and human technology. Mm. Um, the Asgards were the greys in Stargate. Um, Thor was a grey alien. So... Um, I don't know. Chris Hemsworth is pretty blonde. Well, yeah. <laughs> different Thor. Um, different Thor. Different Thor. Man. That was my Chandler Chandler impression. Um, but the, the first time we see the Prometheus, it was actually being stolen by some foreign agents. And we got to see it go up into the air and in, into space and... Captain Carter, I think she was Colonel uh, Major Carter at the time. She had to facilitate taking the ship back and, and whatnot. Um, but mm. that that ship was Earth's first defense line um, against the Gould and won the major battle uh, at the end of season seven. Spoiler alert. Now, um, oh, did they beat the Owls of Gahul? Yes. Yes, they did, DT explicitly just like that so <laughs> um it was it was humanity's first defense it they got them out into the 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 stars it had a hyperdrive which for several episodes they didn't they, it was unstable so they had to jump do short jumps and let the engines cool before they could do another one which i liked i liked that vulnerability um they were eventually able to correct it and they were able to start making fleets of these things called uh, diff after different um, Greek based. Uh, is the Phoenix is the Phoenix Greek based? I think so. Ooh, that was that... no, I think it's Chinese based. Maybe. So ancient I think it's Chinese culture, based. anyway. 
yeah, it's based off of prominent prominent characters or features of Asian cultures. Um, yeah, it sounds a lot like the B five ships. Oh, the White Star. No, like all the Earth Force ships were all like oh, Agamemnon. The and, <laughs> yeah. There was an Agamemnon in in Star Trek, wasn't there? I'm sure, probably. I think it was one of those ones that they talk about. Is like, oh, we've got a rom- rendezvous with the starship Agamemnon, or yeah, it's on patrol in the neutral zone, or whatever. Sheridan was uh, on the Agamemnon, right? That For was his he, ship. Yeah, that was, that was one of the those. one. That was when he won the battle against uh, the Membari in the in the. He was not on the the Agamemnon. Oh, he wasn't. Oh no, no he was. Commit- was- yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Agamemnon was the sh- that was the ship that he had after the war before they gave him to uh, Babylon Five. It was the ship that he he led the uh, they that joined his side though, and he he led the uh, attack on Earth in the Agamemnon. One of those uh, Earth Force what were they, sadly, the Omega class. Sadly enough, something? I haven't gotten that far in the show. <laughs> I know that uh, they without spoiling it. It doesn't uh, matter. It's the show. The, the show has the, been around for forever. Don't yeah, worry the, about the, it. The, <laughs> the, yeah. So anyway, continue. Um, anyway, uh, Prometheus. And then when I was writing that down, I was thinking, oh, wait a minute. Wasn't that three ships in one ship on Star Trek Voyager? The Prometheus. The, and it only appeared again, from what I can tell, in Endgame as one of those ships yeah. that Starfleet sent. Uh, now, I will say this, that was a missed opportunity in Deep Space Nine was to have that <laughs> ship show up against yes. the Dominion. Now, here's yeah. my problem. Here's my problem with the Prometheus, okay? It's, I, my jaw dropped when I first saw the Prometheus and what it could do by splitting into different pieces and turning from one ship to three. And then I'm sitting there going like, well, essentially you have to have enough for three crews on one ship. Not really. Hmm. I mean, it's also designed, uh, and I, I actually watched a video on it the other day. <laughs> um, they can actually be somewhat automated and controlled from like the main bridge. Well, I mean, it obviously was automated in that episode, but I'm still like, ah, man, then just make three ships. Mm. Now I like this though. So in the what is now about to go defunct Star Trek book series that continued on with all the relaunches that started 20 years ago, they actually start, they spun off a Prometheus series that's set, I don't know, like six years. Yeah, six, like, <laughs> it's like five years after the first season of Lower Deck. So, like, I think it's like 2385 or something like that. Okay. And the, the the protagonist of the story is the ship, the Prometheus, which I think is great because it was a fascinating ship and it was one that we should have seen more of. In fact, I will clue you in on stuff. That is, uh, that features very heavily in the prologue of my story that I've been writing. Oh, okay. I will uh, tell you about it later. <laughs> Sounds good. So, but my point is, I felt that yes, the 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 idea of the Prometheus was cool in Star Trek. Um, 
the but it just it was excessive and an overuse of resources that could have been used more efficiently so apparently it was supposed to be a, it was supposed to break down into five pieces but they just oh, didn't geez. have the technology to do it on tv and i think what they did with the three <laughs> pieces looked pretty good it looked cool it was awesome it was awesome it and granted yes would it be a been just a little less excessive if it broke down into two in you know to two instead of three where it could have i mean when you see like the the sauce reception of of like a galaxy class you know that saucer section's got to get the heck out of there. I mean, it's 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 funny when they separate the saucer, but that doesn't have a fucking warp core. <laughs> well, that that was the other part. We we just said earlier that the idea of them putting families on a starship was a terrible freaking idea, and they mitigated that decision by saying the saucer section holds all the children, and before the Enterprise gets involved in any kind of battle, they'll separate the ship perfect their problem was the battle section looks like crap and two it was way too expensive plus <laughs> the saucer section did not have a warp drive and the warp <laughs> how is impulse. it supposed to get away uh, what's like, the maximum oh, speed at impulse one tenth the speed of light or something yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> jesus Oh, man. So anyway, uh, the Prometheus and Stargate SG-1 brought humanity mm -hmm. to the stars, and I liked that. I, there was a certain kind of um, poetic justice to that idea that I really liked. I and, agree. Uh, um, spoiler alert, it gets destroyed later. Um, but it was... That's what made Stargate SG-1 so much fun because we got to see humanity develop new technologies in a paced out way in a real life, you know, scenario. That was what was fun. And it, it just made you feel like, oh, man, we really can do anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's definitely something that has been discussed in, in Star Trek and in other things like taking advantage in fact this is a good leaping off point for the ship i want to discuss next a ship that was designed kind of similarly the excalibur from crusade mm, the ship i'm least familiar with so it looks like a giant i'll look it up i'll probably put it up as our i'll put it up as our poster for on our website Thosesci-guys.com. It, it's, it, it's a pretty neat looking ship. Um, it's got three prongs almost. Um, and this really long, I'll go ahead and say a kind of phallic looking main body. It was a phallic looking main body. Yeah. So, but it was still pretty cool because it was mixed with human. It was the most advanced, it, you know, so Crusade, of course, it was the spinoff of Babylon 5. This ship and its sister ship oh, was the Excalibur and the Victory. There were two ships built. Um, to, to, yeah, it looked like that. No, you can't see. No, I can't see. But yes, I, I, I am familiar with it because I like Crusade. Okay. 
I mean, it's a fancy looking ship. It is, and it's really cool and it's really powerful. It was mixed, I think, Vorlon and maybe Minbari technology. It was the most advanced ship built by humans. At this point, were the Vorlons gone? Vorlons were gone, so they kind of. How did they get Vorlon technology? Just, I, I mean, as a noob, I, I mean. I think they got some from Minbari and, and from Kosh. Okay. So there was mm. a use. There was a usage of some and some reverse engineered stuff. So they they built this battleship. And of course, Earth Force was not up. In fact, I think it was actually built for the Interstellar Alliance. But when the Drak attacked Earth um, and unleashed the plague on Earth, which of course is the crux of the uh, series of Crusade, trying to find the cure for the Drak plague on a five-year timeline. The the e, uh, the Interstellar Alliance gave it to Earth Force to be able to track down a cure, and so it was fast. It was extremely powerful. It carried all the advanced X-wing like starfighters that they had, um, and it had a main gun system that could fire and would like all the the three prongs would like. Mm-hmm. glow and then all the energy would shoot down the shaft to the nose and blow oh, up goodness. Yes, the nose yes the nose that's exactly <laughs> right and it, it would, would shoot to the nose <clears throat> yes <laughs> and it would like obliterate anything in its path the only problem was it, it would take a minute to recharge so the ship would be at a substantial disadvantage it would be able, couldn't even maneuver there was limited maneuverability um, yeah, which of course is why they had such a you know they had a bay full of advanced starfight, right? Which would at least provide them with some levels of protection. That is a pretty cool ship. Plus, it had advanced science bays. It had advanced uh, weapon systems. In addition to the, all the weapons were advanced. In addition to the main guns. So it was fascinating. And the first person to sit in the captain's chair of it was John Sheridan. And then Matthew Gideon. And it was pretty cool. I, I like Gary Cole as Matthew Gideon yep. in the show. And the Excalibur really was on its way to becoming, I think, as much a part of the show as, say, an Enterprise or even Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. You know, which is as much a character of the show because, you know, they had... Their little shuttles, they had fighters, you know, they occasionally would have a, a techno-made ship. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was it was advanced using some technology of the first ones that they were able to get their hands on. And it was designed to fight, you know, these advanced races like Shadows and Forlons and not. But it also was supposed to go out there and find out what happened to you know find the cure and so that was the whole crux here's a big ship they were supposed to and they were supposed to build more of them but the drock blew up the the shipyard so when the one ship was destroyed and the shipyards were destroyed so they weren't going to be able to build a new one for a long time 
So this was the only ship of its kind in existence. You know, a standard gem from from sci-fi. Yeah. But it was... It had, you know, multi-vector weapons. You know, uh, and, you know they had, like, basically anti-aircraft guns, and they had larger, like, ship-to-ship weaponry. In addition to this main cannon that gives you, like, a Death Star look to it. Yeah, yeah. And so it was pretty cool. Um, I liked it. I wish we got to see more of it than like 13 episodes in a movie. I was going to say. It has about as much screen time as the Serenity, but. Yeah. Does it end on a cliffhanger? Uh, I think so. Maybe not like a a cliffhanger cliffhanger. I think it just ends. Oh, it, it ended because it wasn't in the it was in the middle of the season. They they were supposed to do like twenty episodes and they only made thirteen because of right. the bullshit that TNT was doing. And what was the what was the 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 the, the movie that they did to the try to wrap arms. it up? No, it was, was it started. It was supposed to be the launch. Oh, okay. The Call so, to Arms was like the prequel. Yeah, it was essentially the bridge between Babylon Five and Crusade. Interesting. And it takes place like five years after the founding of the Interstellar Alliance. Yeah. So like, yeah, okay. I gotta say, I mean, uh, Babylon Five is such a fascinating universe, and I really don't understand why I've never gotten more into it. You were the one who got me into it. I know. We talked about it. I I know. Uh, I mean, it, it obviously showed a certain level of storytelling that I had never seen before, and I recognized. And then. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was a feeling of guilt because I, I, I want, I had a <laughs> loyalty to Star Trek or something, which is stupid to think. But I, I mean, there are DC fans and there are MCU fans that feel the same way. Yeah, but I'm not I as know. militant, you know. <laughs> so and I was and I was a kid. So well, I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not really overtly militant between the arguments between the fan base. I love, you know, I there's parts of DC, parts of Marvel that I love, and some more than others. And then the same thing with Star Trek and Star Wars, you know. Yeah. I like both. You know, it's, it's like saying, you know, uh, can, can you like Gatorade and Powerade? <laughs> you have to yeah. choose one. No, you can't. You don't have to choose one. So anyway, the Excalibur, I think, is just a really neat ship. Again, Crusade is a show that just didn't get it. It suffered from douchebaggery the same way Firefly did. That's Mm -hmm. one of those shows that deserve better. Yes. And hopefully maybe we get to see, you know, some love for it in the reboot Babylon 5 universe. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea what to expect from that, honestly, because it's supposed to be a reboot. If JMS is involved, I'm feeling okay about it. I mean, he'll go a different route, but he's not going to retell the shadow story. He might, but it could just be done a different way. I mean... Uh, Yeah, again, I mean, that just... it goes. They could literally start it, like, from day one or something like that, or, you know, I mean, we'll see. Okay? You never know, right? Is there a time? Is there a, a debut that we have for that yet? Or no? Is I it on a streaming so. service? 
No, he's putting it on television. That's what he said. He didn't oh, want it to get man. stuck behind a streaming wall because he was tired of seeing, you know, every, you know, people fighting over the streaming service. Like Babylon Five used to be available on this, and now you can only see it on that. You know, so he's putting it back. Why? Because he's old. <laughs> he's old. He's like needs to be on TV, like Matt Pocket <laughs> Mash and Alex Trebek hosting Jeopardy. Right. I mean, so. when you think about it, when you think about the ratings that Star Trek Enterprise was getting back in 2004, which apparently weren't great, but they, they were, were still consistent. getting like they were consistent, but they were still getting like three million viewers at the time, which was considered not great. But now a show is a success if it gets nine hundred thousand to a million viewers. It just depends on it's how so crazy. much it costs, too, though. It really does. I mean, I, the shows, the shows have a second life in in streaming financing and licensing and stuff like that, which, you know, there's an inherent right. value there. But they, they, we're going to go. We're that, going but... down a rabbit hole. So, Crusade ship, good. The Excalibur, a good ship. What's your next one? I don't appreciate being cut off while I'm going down a rabbit hole. Dude, we go down too many rabbit holes. <laughs> I don't even remember when we actually uh, cut into the show. We're at a, an hour and seven minutes into into recording. I don't know when we. Um, all right, one more. One you more. have what, what's your next one? Galactica. Mm. Two thousand four. Uh, yeah, that was on my list of ships. Um, we can end it on Galactica. Like I mean, no, because I got one to follow up with. All right. I liked Galactica because they it was supposed to be um a museum piece and it came they literally what was funny about this was it came about at the same time that people were cutting cords in real life and they literally made a point to say that Galactica has no wireless communique outside of hailing but it all the all the communique within the ship is hardwired to, to, to prevent hacking from the Cylons. So there's no Wi-Fi. Everything's hardwired. Right. Uh, it was more like a standard naval vessel of the time. Right. Maybe a little earlier. Um, but but they, yeah, it wasn't. Literally, went, they regressed their technology to fight technology. Which well, right, I thought because they fantastic. saw what happened to, and the Pegasus was actually, when that came on later, was a it was a it was a new ship of the newer uh -huh. Battlestar classes that was fully automated and everything that was getting hijacked, but they managed to regain control of the system somehow. Yeah, and so. I, I I liked that grittiness. I liked that the fact that the command center didn't have a view screen; they had a table, which With makes. What what they call it, Dratus, which is essentially it was a radar. Radar, system. yeah. <laughs> which it was, was great it too. It was like being in a CNC of an of a naval vessel, more like a submarine than a yeah. than a, 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 a surface vessel because the bridge of a surface vessel has fucking windows. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that it serves a practicality on a and surface they're calling vessel. over handsets and shit or uh huh mics. with 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 curly Q wires. Oh my god. <laughs> well seriously, it was like looking back at the nineteen seventies. Yes. When the original Battlestar Galactica kicked Ex off. 
and probably not, you know, not um, a coincidence. Excuse no. me. There, there but, was definitely some love for the old series in there. I think they almost tied some of that into the original war with the Cylons because when they would show flashbacks, the big clunky Cylons from the original series were basically what was uh, the those were the the original Centurions from the first Cylon War, mm-hmm. yeah. rather than the ones that looked like the super battle droids from Attack of the Clones <laughs> or Clone Wars. Yeah. Not probably a coincidence either. <laughs> it worked. I mean, it, it worked. So if it works, but uh, and I liked that the CNC was in the middle of the ship because so it wasn't prone. Which I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I you want to do is you want to put your bridge. Right smack in the dab at the top of the of the <laughs> on the dorsal area of the saucer, uh, almost like it's a target. <laughs> that, that's... I I know, right? It <laughs> it was it was rough. Um, you know, we you get it, you get it. Um, I I do understand it, and it's something that I've I've laughed at at times. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's strategically, it's ridiculous um, for the technology, which doesn't require you to actually look out a freaking window. Right. But right, having the bridge on the top where it can be easily exposed, it's literally on that, like in 90% of the Star Trek ships. Yes. You know, yes. The Klingon bird of prey, it's like the big weapon mouth, and the bridge mm-hmm. is right on top of it on a yeah. long, skinny neck. I mean, yeah, these <laughs> ships look cool. And you can you can tell where the bridges are on most of these ships because of where there seems to be windows. Yeah. <laughs> or a nemesis. When it, they literally it, tore out the the view screen and there was nothing but an energy shield between them and the endless void. Right. And the scimitar. Now what I did notice about the Defiant was the bridge was actually sunken around that that area. You're correct, yes. It Still on the top of the ship. We're still on the top because, of the ship because it's 3D. But yeah, and, and it was the only bridge that I'd ever seen where they just walked out the door and down the hall. They didn't walk into a turbo lift. Well, that's because the ship was only <laughs> five decks, right? Which, uh, no. So did the NX01. Oh I, yeah, that's I true. think the yeah. NX. Well, the NX01 might have had a couple. No, but that was post you know defiant. No, no, I actually think that you had to take the the, the lift there too. Now I think about, it. but you're right, the defiant did because it, it the bridge was like part of deck one or whatever it was. It was all like on the Enterprise D, deck one is the bridge mm-hmm. and the conference room and the, the ready room and about four turbo lift shafts <laughs> yeah. and apparently one bathroom. One bathroom. Yep. Which was Just on one. the which was on the right side of the bridge. And I guess it kind of went around the back of the view screen. <laughs> so everyone knew when you were going to take a leak. Well, I'm sure it's soundproof. It is a twenty fourth century starship. Sure, but you know, it's not it's not well as yeah, the I captain mean, yeah. as the captain, I would not want everyone to know whether I did a number two or not. 
I think he had his own it, in the Enterprise E. You could tell he had his own bathroom there. True. In his ready room. You know, I mean, yeah, the Enterprise D. Probably not. But you know, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense for the captain to have his own latrine in his ready room. Right. <laughs> yes. Even yes. just a bathroom, maybe not a full shower, but you know. Right. So, um, oh shit, which ship were you talking about? Oh, we were talking about Battlestar, the Galactica. Keep going. Let's talk a little bit more about the the crux of the ship itself. So, I right, love. We, we understand the technology is it's a regressive. It was not. They were not allowed to get into it. Right. Okay. It had no shields. It had super thick armor, and right. I love that it had chemical based weapons. Doors, right. Yes, and it had chemical-based weapons, uh, not yeah. energy weapons, and nukes. which I found fascinating. And nukes, yes, they literally had nukes. I found that fascinating. I thought it was fantastic. It was a nice throwback. It's like, oh, yeah, technically those would still work in space. You're right. And be practical. Mm, yes. Because, I mean, let, let's face it, phasers are cool and all, but they give away your position immediately. Well... If you look how they fire off stuff in Battlestar, they kind of give away your position, too. But True, but they don't light up. Also true. <laughs> and they don't move, like, the speed of sound. <laughs> like, for some reason, energy-based weapons do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, they did a little bit better at the sound <laughs> in space yeah. thing. Not quite like Firefly, but it was a little better. They were, they were, uh, they were pretty. No, they were, they were pretty. Uh, they were pretty loyal to the idea that there's no sound in space. Yeah, but there still was some sound. True. But it was like almost like low end of the spectrum kind of sound. Yeah, like, like, like you, you, were, you were almost like you were the camera was water. Yeah, if the camera was on the ship or something you would hear some sounds or something or if oh, it was well, close you would to hear the ship the shit blowing up on on your ship yes right but you wouldn't hear the cylon star killer or whatever uh their base star or whatever they are yeah the base star you wouldn't hear that explode yeah, maybe or the I resurrection don't... ship that didn't you didn't hear that explode i don't know anyway so uh that was mine What's your, your final uh, entry for the night? Well. I think I know. I think I know. Go ahead and tell me what you think mine is. The Orville. No. Uh, I ah, wasn't going to do the Orville. That's one we can Orville. continue on for next time. <laughs> okay, because there's a couple of good ones that we haven't discussed yet. And here's what I will suggest, okay? I'm going to throw, I'm going to do one more, and then I think we can go ahead and and prep the battlefield, because honestly, we can't not do this without discussing the Enterprises. Okay. You're going to prep the battlefield. So I think we can lead off with the Enterprises, and we kind of loop them all as one group, and we kind of talk about them. 
but then we can knock out a few more of our favorite other capital type ships. And if we want to in launch into, round? yeah, in, in part two of this. Okay. We can talk about the Orville. We can talk about a couple other things. If we want to talk about Discovery or something, whatever. Okay. But my last ship here, and I'll go ahead and drop back into the world of Babylon 5, the White Star. Mm, that was my next pick. It was a good ship. Yeah. Um, that was Membari technology, no? And with some Vorlon help from Kosh before he got killed. Oh, jeez. Vorlons played a big part in the Shadow War, didn't they? They did, which is why I think where I think they got some of the, the stuff for Excalibur was, I think, off the White Stars. The White Star, which ended up being a White Star fleet. It did. Yes, I remember the big reveal <laughs> and Delenn was saying there was always intended to be a fleet. It wasn't just one ship. Right. Well, and, it was kind of small. Yeah, it was a small, it, honestly, it was a small it fighter was, almost. It was a defiant. It, it really was. Yeah. Just another <laughs> point of where people think that they were ripped off <laughs> of Babylon 5. But. Oh, the defiant came before the defiant came way before the White Star. All showed up in the third season. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Oh, come on. Yes. Shit. Anyway. You're right. God damn it. (laughs) Anyway, the White Star did become the White Star fleet. And the original White Star was... They used it to... Well, one, it was a small ship that could go to... That could open its own jump gate. Yeah, that that, that affords a certain flexibility. It was fast. It was powerful. It was maneuverable. Mm -hmm. And it looked like nothing else in existence. You could see it had some hints of Vorlon, some hint of Minbari. And the White Star itself was given to Sheridan to command as like Babylon 5's secret starship, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't out there. They didn't talk. You know, it was like... And this is, we won't say whose it is, you know. They didn't want it identified as being from Babylon 5, uh, you know, as as much as possible. Now, uh, school me a little bit, because Babylon 5 declared Earth independence, right? They 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 declared independent from Earth in protest of the the uh, oppressive Earth government bombing of civilian targets and blockading of other Earth colonies that were saying, fuck you. Right. Now, they be- it essentially became its own nation, right? Basically. Okay. All right. Uh, just because and that's when they did the uniform change to what I liked better, the, the midnight uh, black the black uniforms. and purple. Yeah. I liked those uniforms a lot better. They were all right, but... Uh, I I'm a traditionalist. I like the blue. Oh, the leather was a nice touch. Don't get me wrong, but I I just felt stylistically the black black and purple uniforms. Well, were, the black and purple looked a little more maneuverable. And a they little were more sleeker. Comfortable. Yeah, they were sleeker. But they were very form fitting, so you had to keep your shape. He, well, yeah, as as his doctor it was doctor uh, doctor told Sheridan, yeah, you yourself could stand to lose a couple pounds. Like <laughs> anyway, so um, it was it was neat. They 
I think they did have a couple. They had a couple of. It could hold one of those Midbari shuttles. I think. Yeah, I think they could hold a couple of those Minbari shells on them. But overall, it was it was uh, different than anything you'd seen. You could see the influence of the Minbari a little, um, but different enough. And then eventually, Sheridan used the White Star to smash into Shadow Headquarters on Zaha Doom, which was pretty cool. Oh, and that's when he went down into the, the caverns. Right. And but was reborn. They 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 brought they brought up an entire fleet of them, which you saw used. Right. In, they became run. And the Rangers started running them. Mm-hmm. They started leading them during the the fight with the shadows, and then in uh, supporting the human Rangers in White Stars. Did fight in the Earth Force Civil War, and then they fought for the Galactic for the Interstellar Alliance was basically the fleet of white stars became the fleet of the interstellar alliance. So the white star itself served as the prototype, you know, for it. It was kind of like the defiant it was kind, kind of, of like, armaments did it have. Um, it had, you know, the typical Babylon five, a couple, one or two of the small particle cannons that would send the beams and then a few kind of pulse like weapons. Yeah. Was shielding a thing in Babylon Five? I don't remember. Or was it like you no. know jamming technology, where where they jammed sensors so that they couldn't it exactly was, see the ship? Well, the Minbari had you know you couldn't lock on to them at least right. Not, at least the Earth the Earth technology couldn't at the time. So. Right. Hmm. Okay. I liked the I liked the the the, the White Star. It was a sleek fun ship yeah it was i it i didn't like it at first just because it looked i don't know kind of like a spermatozoa it, it had like a, a <laughs> beak on it yeah but it That's... grew on me and it became very you know i watched babylon 5 so much you know rewatched it so many times over the years that it's really grown on me as a as a fun ship, kind of like a mid sized cruiser, but it packs a punch. Yeah. Oh it man, go, it could go toe to toe with one of Earth's big battleships yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, which they did. You know, human technology in Babylon Five always felt to me to be too antiquated to other alien species, but apparently it stood up decently enough well yeah it it filled up decently enough um especially after the war uh the minbari war they beefed it up they could go toe-to-toe with a lot of the other races maybe not the minbari still but other races dead air no, 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 I thought you were going to say something. I was going to say something. I couldn't think of anything. That that was my fault. So, <laughs> well, overall, it was a it was a fun ship, um, and you know that seemed to be the trend of a time. You know, in sci-fi shows where maybe it wasn't the biggest ship, but you had smaller ships because the Defiant was smaller, White Star was smaller. 
Voyager was smaller. Yeah, it was an age in the 90s where we realized the ships the didn't 90s. have to be giant anymore. They they could be smaller, more maneuverable, and more effective. Well, but then you also went back to Enterprise, which was, of course, much smaller than we're used to. Because but of that the, was a constraint of technology. It was a, it was a prequel and whatnot, but still, you had a kind of a sizing down that happened yeah. until you got to Battlestar, where it blew back up again. Right. But you got to think about Battlestar as being like a giant uh, aircraft carrier. It was, but it's like it was like to be honest with you, the best the best reference at the time would be the old Enterprise, the CVN sixty five, which was the oldest carrier in our fleet at the time. It was a lot older than the Nimitz class carriers that came out in the ninth in the eighties. Yeah. So that was kind of like what the what Battlestar was, was it was like Enterprise, the big E. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Well, I think this has been a fun, uh, a fun uh, visit down uh, Story Ship Lane. All right. So what franchises did we cover tonight? Obviously, we covered Star Trek. Star Trek. Babylon 5. Babylon 5. Twice. Star Trek right. twice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stargate SG-1. Yep. Firefly. Uh, Firefly. I think that's it. Well, so we covered four franchises, and while we did multiple ships, we did cover the, you know, some of the big franchises. Um, I was going to talk about, um, oh, crud, Farscape, which we can talk about next time. But I don't know if that meets your your I don't know if that meets your definition of a starship. Well, it only required one pilot. But it had like a family of different aliens living on it. Yeah, and I know Serenity kind of pushed the limits a little bit as well. Because that probably needed like two people. But I've had a couple of other ships which I have put pause on. For our next one, which will be smaller type craft, and I'll give, I'll go ahead and give Serenity an up just because of its significance to uh, galactic issues. And then also the DeLorean. Again, no, it is not a ship. <laughs> it's a Stop ship. with your bullshit. It's technically, a space time ship. No. So <laughs> it but can fly. Here's a preview. A ship that I do plan to include when we talk about the small craft is the Wave Rider, mm. which is a time and spaceship. That one I am unfamiliar with. I'll have to do some research. It is from the Arrow versus Legends of Tomorrow. Oh God! <laughs> the most bizarre and level a level a level of sci-fi that I have not ventured into. which i respect i respect it apparently they're doing well with it and fans are happy i just just because it's become like the the misfit the band of misfits yeah it's and it's like the the, these weird expanses of of the dc universe Mm -hmm. they're kind of they're in some ways they're kind of like dc's guardians of the galaxy (laughs) the legends of tomorrow people yeah so anyway I can see that. 
And by the way, the <laughs> Milano slash Benatar would be a good ship, good uh, ship to talk be. about it would in be. the small craft. So we'll get to those. So okay. I will own Serenity as probably not belonging in this craft, so I apologize. Much like the DeLorean does not belong here. Serenity Whatever, it's probably your podcast, didn't. doesn't matter. It's our <laughs> podcast. It's your podcast, doesn't matter. Whatever. You can make your own rules and change them up right at the last second. It's fine. It's fine. Dude, it's this is fine. not a marriage. Stop. <laughs> well, it feels like one. So. <laughs> oh, we're getting so much trouble for this. <laughs> All right. I think that's the ultimate end there. So. <laughs> TT, unless you have anything time. else to add. I'll just say tune in next time for part two of our Starship uh, discussion. Uh, this will remain in the big capital type ships. And we'll do another one where we talk about some of the smaller craft, shuttle craft, runabouts, fighter ships, and other weird uh, traveling Winnebago's and, and, and family Woody. ships. Yeah. Until then, until then, everyone, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everyone. And we'll see you on the high ground. You'll see them on the high ground. I'm still here getting last-minute you know, choices, but whatever. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSight Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information. All right, let's get going. All right, so I think we ought to make it make some rules. No fighters. What? Starships. We can dive into something else. Let's let's keep. You know, we have to. I keep was thinking some... spaceships, like whatever. Um, but I think we need to keep because this could go down too far down a rabbit hole. Something we can do later. That's why I was trying to keep us on like main characters only last time. You douche. Oh, come on. <laughs> I ruined it. You're right. I did. So. Because hmm. there's a rich enough stuff to talk about. Even obscure shows that had great lead characters. Like, look at Firefly, right? Or, you know, I mean, or but or movies, right? We have plenty to choose from without having to dive down. We can go back and do later best supporting, whatever. But I think we got to stick because, I mean, Star Trek alone has six, has had shown us seven enterprises. Okay. Right. That actually matter. Okay. So the least we can do is just stick with starships, multi-person beyond like two people. So. And All right. Well, that takes out. Hmm. I tell you what, we can do it another time small craft because the runabouts are cool but i didn't i left them off you know i love the x-wing you know they're all great star furies that sort of thing we can do another list sound good
Uh, yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. Um, I'm gonna throw in some jokes then. By all means, that we don't have to take seriously. Also fine. Um, I just think, if for our own sanity. What was the name? All right, never mind. I'm gonna ask you during the 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 actual show then. All right, then let's get rolling then. It defeat. Otherwise, it defeats the point of us getting started early. Exactly, exactly. All right, five count. 